Hello, good evening, and as always, welcome to another edition of the Ebone Zone. I'm your hilariously humble host, Ethan Page Rivers. It's wonderful to be here with you tonight, folks, and I'm excited to bring you another episode. You're tuned in to a brand new, hot off the mix episode of the Ebone Zone. Thank you for listening in advance, and without further ado, let's get it going. Okay, so I know I've talked a lot about UFC on this podcast, and I've done an entire trilogy of episodes about boxing, so I guess you could say combat sports are sort of a frequent theme with me on Fridays, and I know what you're thinking when you hear this from me. My goodness, this is five times in almost a year, so why is he still talking about this stuff? No, 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 calm down, calm down, I'm gonna tell you. So, if you've watched the past few pay-per-views, you would notice... A guy by the name of Conor McGregor popping up pretty much everywhere. And Dana White has booked him for a fight at UFC 229. And holy smokes, was it a show. So last Saturday night was the first time he stepped into the octagon in a few years. Probably about two to be exact. And he was looking great after a win at UFC 205 back in 2016 over Eddie Alvarez. Three minutes into round two, he scored a knockout that night. At that same fight at UFC 205, he went on to win the lightweight championship belt from Eddie Alvarez, and until last Saturday night, he had not defended it since. So, as you could guess, up until this point, everything was going well for him. Well, that is, until a man by the name of Khabib Nurmedov had sort of an altercation with Connor's training partner, Artem Lobov, outside the cage, which prompted Connor to lose it and attack Khabib's tour bus that was parked outside the venue a few pay-per-views later. As you can imagine, Khabib was not happy. I'd say on a scale from Bob Parr's boss from The Incredibles to Davy Jones when he finds out Jack tricked him in literally every Pirates of the Caribbean movie he's ever been in, I'd say Khabib's about a 12. Basically, not quite Disney princess movie villain level angry, but definitely more angry than Shrek when he finds out there's trespassers on his land. So at this point, Khabib's probably thinking, alright, it's over, the talk is done, I'm gonna get my hands on this guy, whatever it takes. And considering that Connor took the fight, I would say the feeling was very much mutual. And the fans weren't opposed to this at all. Dana White billed this as the biggest fight in history, or one of the biggest fights in history, and by all accounts, regardless of what you remember from what happened in the cage, it won't be forgotten for a long time. So here's where we get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. After Khabib submitted him in the fourth round, Connor just stayed in the ring and caught his breath and stuff, you know that whole bit, but your man Nurmedov jumps out of the cage and starts laying into Connor's striking coach, and then after about five seconds, it's not just him trying to mess somebody up, now one of his fans have gotten into the octagon is starting to beat up Connor after he'd already been through four rounds with one of the toughest guys in the lightweight division. Now the question is, did what I expect happen? Nope. That's a big negatory there because I was hoping Connor would win. But my guess about this whole thing is if the fighter that had your vote to win nine months before the fight makes the fighter he's fighting mad enough in those nine months, things might not exactly turn out the way you planned. I've got a feeling there's going to be a rematch anyway, but 
we'll see. This week I would like to continue a new tradition. I try to offer a good Christian podcast, so I thought I would begin sharing a new Bible verse each week. This week I would like to share a verse from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. This verse talks about the power of understanding and sympathy towards the feelings of others. One commentary highlights that this verse is putting a spotlight on the concept of not being selfish. Another commentary highlights that we as humans are individual as well as social, and we can subordinate our own needs to the needs of others, but we cannot, in fact, ignore them. My point of view on this verse is it teaches us not to be selfish while we may be concerned with our own needs, we don't need to let it consume our lives. We need to be open people. We need to have a Christian life that involves helping and witnessing to other people, as Christ did in his life here on earth. And now it's time for the college football predictions. What happens in this portion? You should know by now, but I'll go over it with you anyway. I take five games from the next week of college football and tell you exactly who I think will win. I might be right, I might be wrong, and eh, who cares, I have fun doing it. We'll see on game day. Pick along with me if you would like. I would welcome that. And without further ado, here we go. All right, first up, we've got a battle in the SEC. It's Missouri and Alabama. Even though I feel like I don't need to explain it, I'm going Alabama. Honestly, by now, we all should know who's going to win. Up next, we've got Auburn and Tennessee. I think I'm going to have to go Auburn on this. Auburn isn't much of a powerhouse in their respective conference, but I feel like they're getting there. And be that as it may, I do believe that Auburn has some sort of true power behind their football team that they have yet to to reveal as an organization, whether it be a second-string redshirt junior running back that's been on the practice squad his whole career, even though he's more than capable of being on varsity, but they just don't want to move him up because they feel he's not ready, or a backup quarterback that hasn't got his chance to shine yet. I do think that once they reveal whatever it is that they're hiding, they will be as good as they were back in the days of Cam Newton. I think that they're on pace to dominate again within five years. All right, moving on, we got Texas A&M and South Carolina. I think I'm going to have to go with South Carolina on this. I know that South Carolina isn't a Connor Shaw-type team anymore. They aren't the type of team that they were in Connor Shaw's day, and maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing. Connor Shaw was a good quarterback, but he's moved on, and I think they have to face that. I think that Will Muschamp has to whip Jake Bentley into shape because I know he has been struggling as of late, but I do think that he is on pace for a comeback to redeem this South Carolina team. As for his stats, Bentley's made 132 attempts, completing 84 of those for an average of 7 yards per pass and in total, 928 yards for the season. And into the rushing column we go. He's had 25 attempts for 91 yards and an average of 3.6 yards per rush. So it's because of my anticipation of a South Carolina comeback on the heels of Jake Bentley that I have them winning this game. Maybe 32 30. Minnesota and Ohio State. I'm going to have to take Ohio State on this. I've got a hunch. Georgia and LSU, probably the best game on this list. I'm going to take Georgia on this. We've got two of the best teams in the SEC, two absolute powerhouses going toe-to-toe 
and colliding headfirst on the gridiron. While I could make a case for LSU because their defense is stellar, I've made that very clear in past episodes, that's by far the highlight of their team. I do think I'm going to have to go with Georgia on this because Jake Fromm is at the absolute top of his game. Like I've said before, I could make a case for LSU, but I'm not going to because Georgia is absolutely stellar. Everything about this team is great, and I do believe that since they're first in the SEC, since they have proven many, many times this season that they can take a hit on the chin and come back from it or just knock you down where you stand and bowl over you, I think that they will go on to the SEC championship along with Alabama, basically the only other team that I think can beat them in the nation. So if it's not already clear, I'm going to take Georgia in this. And now that I've gotten you up to speed on everything I've got to say, I think the only thing left to do is roll the outro. And with that being said, thank you guys for once again being here tonight and joining me for another episode. Follow the podcast on Instagram, at Official, as well as on Twitter, at EBZ. That's capital O and official, capital EBZ, in case you were wondering. And until next time, God bless us and save us. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I'll see you soon.